Welcome to Health and Life Sciences at the Edge, where we talk about modern challenges and future solutions. Brought to you by the Intel Internet of Things Group. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Health and Life Sciences at the Edge, the series that makes sense of use cases across industries, brought to you by the Intel Internet of Things Group. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. We appreciate you listening in as we explore today's topics and trends. So on today's episode of the show, we're going to be making sure that you're all caught up on the best from the HIMSS 22 conference which for the uninitiated, though I'm sure our audience is very aware, is the annual conference and exhibition of the Healthcare Information and Management Systems Society. And at Intel, at the show, our attention was focused on the ways that connected systems, high levels of visibility, automation, and data analysis are going to and are already elevating the hospitals of today and tomorrow. And what we wanted to do is bring that conversation to our podcast, keep the thoughts flowing, and dig a little deeper into the impact that smart technology may have at large, but already is having on patient rooms specifically, and how those patient rooms should be reimagined in the smart hospitals of the future, to what effect, and also talk big picture on that transition to smart hospitals as a standard for the industry. So for insights today, I'm pleased to welcome our two guests. First up, I'll introduce Karen Perry. She's Chief Healthcare IoT Solution Architect at Intel. Karen, great to have you on. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for taking the time to uh, walk us through these very important and exciting changes in the industry today. And we're also joined by Lisbeth Vitruba. She's Chief Clinical Innovation Officer at Avasure. Lisbeth, great to have you on. How are you? Thanks. I'm doing well. Yeah, it's a pleasure getting to sit down with you as well and source your on-the-ground perspectives. So again, for our audience, today we're talking smart hospitals and we're talking the transformation of patient rooms. So what I want to do for our audience is uh, first get a sense for how your careers have had touch points with smart technology in healthcare mm -hmm. and just give our audience a bit more of a detailed background on how your experience informs your perspective today. So Karen, first question for you here based on your background. Where did you see across your career smart technology support hospital systems? Uh, and where did you see that technology support said systems best across those various career steps? Yes, thanks again for having me. And um, I've, I've been fortunate to be able to work with some of the top providers of medical equipment, like, you know, imaging machines and patient monitoring. And, and currently, um, there definitely has been some some progress in adding like AI and analytics to uh, some of the imaging machines, for instance. Yeah, and it really feels like, and uh, you know, I think we're going to get more validation on this, but based on what you just described, the IoT solutions, the smart tech that is proving most valuable in hospitals is the one that um, not only addresses operational inefficiencies, but also makes the life of the professional as well as the patient an improved one. And if anything, creates more touch points uh, and more meaningful touch points between the two parties. And so we'll um, continue to break that down here first, though I want to toss it over to Lizbeth. So Lizbeth, thanks again for joining us. And your first question here, when 
practicing direct patient care during your career and before getting uh, more concretely into the med tech side of the industry, where did you feel you needed the most support from smart systems as a nurse? And how did that shape some of your approach to building solutions and getting involved in this conversation through Avisher? Thanks. That's a really great question. Um, so I've been in nursing for almost 30 years now. I've been a nurse and the first 20 I was really focused on direct patient care in the acute care setting and then some some leadership roles in in the acute care hospital setting. So this is my this is my niche and and there's just ways to practice nursing in inpatient, outpatient, academic, but uh, hospitals kind of been my 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 setting. And so it's really finding that that uh, technology, that smart technology that um enhances the patient experience and the caregiver experience and gives good information. We're going to um, get into some more examples of practical IoT and smart tech in hospitals at work. Uh, So let's go ahead and jump back over to Karen. Uh, So Karen, how far along would you say is the transformation towards smart hospitals today? And what processes do you see already being supported by or leveraging smart tech? and which are still in need of that transformation. There's definitely some intelligence um, being added, additional sensors like Avisher. It's fantastic. We having eyes and ears on acute care patients is a massive win. The fact that we've been starting to add, you know, some of the AI to imaging machines and or AI to multiple patient monitoring um, sensors. Some of these things have certainly happened, but they still tend to be point solutions a bit like, you know, the AI is on the imaging machine, but it's not a a physician or a nurse still has to go and check electronic medical records, current patient stats, and look at the image. So there's still a manual process of trying to converge this data to be able to do a patient assessment um, and and to follow patient protocol assessments. There's still a lot of uh, personnel needed. That is absolutely always going to be the case. I mean, there has to be skilled labor, skilled nursing, skilled, you know, and doctors. And But uh, if we could start to bring together all these data streams and additional analytics on them and help highlight what's going on to a physician or a nurse who is way overworked, they have way too many people to try to tend to and to put them in the right place at the right time versus having to have manual you know, visitations to patients who are coming out of anesthesia or whatever and about need to be, have an assessment at the proper time. Those are the kind of things that we have a huge evolution of technology with clinical workflow, technology that's embraceable by physicians and nurses, not something that they can't figure out how to use. Um, Those are the kinds of things that uh, we as technologists have to work closely with clinicians to make sure that when we introduce something, it's something they can leverage um, that makes sense in their workflow. The equipment manufacturers are super interested in adding additional value to their solutions. Um, the, the hospitals are incredibly interested in optimizing their resources and their operationals, um, their funding, their, you know, financial bottom line. And so there's a lot of very interested parties in getting these things going. 
Um, but we're just at the beginning, I, I'd say. Uh, Elizabeth, are you seeing similar dynamics? Would you agree with Karen? Yeah, absolutely. Nurses and, and other providers in the um, hospital room need to be working at the top of their license. Um, and so I think that's um, taking away waste and um, kind of cognitive burden of trying to manually integrate and or or using something that is not um, user friendly is 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 our challenge on the tech side to just really support them. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, I want to follow up a little bit more on your nursing background, Elizabeth. Uh, if we hone in specifically on, let's say, the nurse workforce, we yeah. see a lot of compounding issues today. The pandemic naturally accelerated a lot of those. Uh, recently, many nurses have left the workforce and there was already you know, attention being placed on uh, healthcare worker burnout, nurse burnout. Uh, and so, right, we already have a strained pool of skilled medical personnel. So I'm curious how that dynamic is impacting care today and how you see that intersecting with the desire for smart solutions as well. Yeah, I think we're, we've kind of finally reached an inflection point that we've been heading towards for many years. So this didn't this didn't really come out of nowhere. We we knew that, you know, a generation of of nurses were getting towards retirement and then the pipeline of of new nurses isn't what it needed to be. Um and and then this has just been kind of the the tipping point uh, the pandemic has causing causing some burnout and, you know, thinking about retiring early. And I think the latest poll that I saw was 30% of nurses are considering leaving the profession. I know about 28% of new grads uh, straight out of nursing school um, will leave the profession or, or leave their first job within the first year. So 28% um, uh, turnover is, is extremely high and extremely expensive. And actually the new grad nurses didn't get a great clinical experience during the last few years of nursing school. And what would have traditionally been done in a clinical setting, some of it was done in a sim lab. And even if there was a clinical setting, you, you know, those mature, um, experienced nurses simply did not have the time to mentor new grads in the same way. Um, so I think there's um, part of the problem is is it used to be kind of, and, and I'm just ballparking here, it used to be kind of like 80% experienced nurses to 20% inexperienced nurses. And, and that ratio is just shifting a lot. So it's not only just the number of nurses, it's kind of the brain trust of the more experienced nurses that we're, we're losing as well. So I think on the, um, on the solution side or smart solution side, there is a new urgency and willingness to invest in smart solutions that support the workforce. And, and when I say invest, I'm not just talking about financially investing, um, although that, there's that too, but also um, making these types of investment that support the caregiver more of a priority amongst so many competing priorities. Because I think that is one of the big barriers to change or implementing uh, forward-thinking technology in the hospital setting is is not only um, the spend on it, but is the just the competing priorities. There's just so much change going on at once, and so you have to make decisions about, or leaders have to make decisions about what we're not going to do this year. 
Um, and so I'm seeing more and more of what we are going to do this year are things that um, really help educate and retain new staff in and um, technology that makes their work easier. And um, even just thinking of the basic needs of feeling safe at work. So really investing in any kind of technology or, or smart solutions that um, add to the staff safety. Uh, and that's all of a sudden not just an afterthought as well as ways to kind of remotely support the learning and mentoring of, of new, new grad nurses, for example. So again, a focus of the conversation today is the patient room specifically, which intersects with a lot of what y'all have already broken down for us today. But let's get more specific there. Uh, what do you both see as some of the core challenges that uh, patient room operations are facing today? Just give us that high-level overview. You know, to, to Elizabeth's point about, you know, monitoring devices, leads fall off of patients when they're moving about and whatnot and cause false alarms. And one thing that would is amazing about having a camera in the room is that, you know, a, a sitter, a telesitter can actually see what's going on. And that, you know, the lead fell off or, you know, some other reason that's going to really help um, help make sure that and help that keep a, a nurse from having to go in and check when it's not something, not an emergency or even, you know, instruct the patient. Um, the fact that there's two way video and audio in systems like Avisure where you can interact remotely with the patient. That is a spectacular time saver. Um, to, and but I said the camera is the best sensor. Um, computer vision uh, allows us to look around the room and see what's going on and provide contextual awareness to whoever's watching um, about what's going on with the patient. And and when we're trying to combine, you know, patient monitoring metrics as well as visual. Visual is a huge assessment that nurses and doctors make when they're trying to assess the condition of a patient. When you can combine them in real time, um, it's just so much more effective, and especially for patient outcome, that you can catch things early and see a trend toward deterioration. So, you know, focusing on the patient room, especially the vulnerable, you know, acute care um, rooms, is there can be incredible value and impact on the whole system. Um, I'm just thinking of um, my kind of when I was first a new nurse in a critical care setting and, um, and us nurses talk about this, but different settings of uh, nurses attract different personalities. Critical care nurses, which is my background, are kind of known to be um, control freaks for one thing, but also um, really technophilic. I had a really great mentor who said, you know, always start by looking at the patient. Um, and um, no matter how distracting all the equipment is, look at the patient because the numbers can be great and the patient can look bad and, and vice versa, you know. So and I think um, that that really translates into uh, the video link into a patient room, whether that's continuous because that patient is at high risk for safety issues, um, like, like telesitter continuous monitoring, or if it's it's reactive um, based on concerns or clinical concerns, 
um, I think that that visual link into patient rooms actually sound like it's less patient-centered, but really it is more patient-centered. Intel and myself and others at Intel have interviewed a lot of nurses uh, on you know, how they would leverage remote monitoring via cameras and audio. And one of the things they said was, to Elizabeth's point about the connection of the patient and the, the nurse who's been on call most of the time that they're there, is to be able, even if the nurse is you know, two floors away, if they have a personal device that they can see the video and interact with their patient and the patient sees their nurse on the screen, especially if they're getting agitated or worried or versus having a, another person come in that they don't know, being able to instantly connect via video and assure the patient that they're okay and maybe and help help triage with the physical nurse who's in the room because that, you know, the the nurse who is taking care of that patient knows much more background about what's going on and the personality of the patient, et cetera. Being able to do remote triage through these video systems is is an incredible boon. Those little touch points, you know, are, are <laughs> they they speak volumes, you know, sometimes yeah. but that, about just how flexible and mm-hmm. how impactful these solutions can be for different reasons for mm-hmm. different people and different scenarios, right? And I think that's what uh, is validating this need for smart solutions is because of that flexibility and because of that ability to integrate with just about any challenge that hospital systems are facing today. And that kind of teased me up for my next point here, but as you see more hospital systems invest in smart solutions, uh, do you have any strategies or I guess, how do you see these solutions, not only improving hospital resource utilization, which you've already kind of broke down, um, but also improve patient outcomes and create secondary domino effects that are felt throughout the entire hospital system? You know, some of the AI that we're working on for the patient room particularly is to uh, improve patient outcomes by detecting deterioration early on before it becomes, you know, a major issue or, you know, life-threatening in any way. But the point is, is that there's top levels of those scoring sections that you can start to see with, you can see with a camera (laughs) Um, and that can help, you know, if we could apply AI to help look at the higher level um, scores, meaning that, you know, the first signs of deterioration and, and, and triage them together, just like a clinician would do and start to see the beginning of decline, then we can bring clinicians in more on demand, like when things start to decline and relieve nurses from having to, you know, go through a, a, a scheduled check. Yeah, and I think my focus for the the last seven years um, at at Avisher has been more on um, patient safety issues in patient in in the patient room in the hospital than on the um, clinical deterioration that you talked about. The first implementation of Avisher telesitting was really focused on the waste of one to one sitters, so certain percentage of um, patients being confused for one reason or another and maybe being at risk for falls. Historically, having no other solution, nurses have kind of assigned one staff member to sit 24-7, watch the patient sleep, or, you know, just kind of sit there and stare at them. Um, And so the telesitter increased that ratio to 1 to 16, do it virtually. 
and um, proactively intervene with patients. So first it was the, just that that waste of staffing efficiency, and then it was falls. And then we realized that um, low to moderate suicidal patients were also needing sitters and it could be used for that as well. And then we realized that the monitoring staff members were often keeping staff safe from potentially violent patients and workplace violence was something that was happening as you know more often as well. And then with COVID, it was just automatically used so staff could visualize patients be, before going in the room. Are the IV bags empty? Did you need anything else before I come in? And I think my, my life lesson from that first story I shared was um, that the engineering team and the whole team of nurses, at least at, at our company at Avisher, make sure they, they talk to each other. And it's, as far as they, even though they speak a different language, what I want to do as well, Elizabeth, is hone in on the telesitter solution specifically. Y'all have already been chatting about how remote monitoring, yeah. smart tech has um, proven really valuable for not just uh, the professionals themselves, but the patient experience and overall operations. Um, but if you had to get more specific on just that solution, can you walk us through some of the impacts that it's had on health systems and where uh, that remote monitoring is proving most valuable and impactful uh, and any success stories that um, you think really highlight the telesitter solution at work? The real impact on the health system is um, there is not only is it expensive and wasteful to have you know, one staff member in with one patient 24-7 watching them to just prevent a, an adverse event that may or may happen during five minutes of the 24-hour day. Um, but when that happens, they're pulled away from helping their colleagues. And then, so if a nursing uh, unit has 32 beds and, and then the setter is assigned to one patient, then the other 31 patients suffer. So, and it causes the disruptions and kind of blocks in flows. And then I think on the caregiver experience too, knowing that, um, that one confused patient down at the end of the hall already has a second pair of eyes helps me be more fully present with the patient that I'm at now, with now, and, and or the, the family knowing that they're being watched 24-7. And, and what I'm talking about there really impacts the um, patient experience and the patient experience scores. Um, so I think on the health system side, they do want to make sure their staffing is efficiency and they cannot afford anymore to be inefficient anywhere. Um, but also the impact on, on patient experience still matters um, as well as the, as the safety and quality outcomes. So Karen, uh, we've established the multiple metrics of success, it sounds like, for a quality solution. Impact on costs, resource allocation, efficiency, patient outcomes, etc. I think all of these can serve as a really great guidepost for future smart hospital investments where uh, decision makers can ask themselves, can you know, XYZ solution, let's say even just can remote patient monitoring help impact all of these metrics, right? And use that as sort of the checkbox for yes here, no here, yes here, and then weigh various vendors and solutions. Do you agree with those being the core metrics? Yes or no, why or why not? And any strategies on how to actually judge whether or not any solution can actually achieve those goals? Hospitals definitely want to invest in, in technology because of the positive impact 
um, for their staff, for their bottom line. Mm. But as we introduce capability uh, into hospitals, we, we, we tend to have to follow the clinical process in measurable ways. We have to create measurable um, goals so that so the clinicians can see how their job is impacted. The impact on, did it in fact help the patient? Was the patient, you know, did we detect uh, some kind of decline more rapidly than when we didn't have the technology in place? Um, or And or was the patient stay shorter, which is great for the patient and great for the hospital because from a hospital financial perspective, they they want they need they have to have good patient outcomes, but they also make money by having more patients come through. <laughs> they don't want a patient sitting in a room, especially a, you know a high expense room. They don't want operating rooms to be taken very long. They don't want ICU beds taken up for too long. You know, imaging and scanning. You know, the more that they can cycle patients through and achieve their goals, but the more they can bring them through, the the better they're better their operational. They are, they are from a financial perspective, you know, it's not really about profits. It's about them being able to maintain, you know, a working hospital, pay their people, have updated equipment, et cetera. So they have to think about these things. And the fact that all of those metrics have to be taken into account, we have to have a positive impact on all of those things. And we have to create ways to measure each, each one of those, the, the outcome for the patient the outcome for the resources, the skilled resources that to Elizabeth's excellent point, they're operating at the, the highest level of their licensing uh, and, and that the hospital is also financially sound. We actually have to hit every one of those metrics for a hospital to invest because if we just hit one, but it's still costing them too much, they don't see a bottom line financially or, you know, it might help them turn a, turn a, OR around, but the outcomes aren't as good because they're rushing something, then it's not going to work. So hospitals, especially this particular market segment from a technology perspective, has that, the, that, those three angles, especially, all have to be standing or the tripod falls over. The stool won't work. We, it just will not work unless all three are there. And so as a technologist and a technology and technology companies have to remember to address all the stakeholders, the patients themselves, the, res- the skilled resources, and then the hospital as a business. And just to kind of close up the conversation here and bring it back to the telesitter solution, or even just more generally remote monitoring solutions, how do you see the telesitter uh, solution fitting into a larger ecosystem of smart technologies, right? How do you see it supporting other smart tech and mm-hmm. vice versa, where other smart tech is enabling and making the telesitter more powerful? Yeah, we're very excited about um, where we're headed um, and and really getting getting predictive and we're um, already moving beyond where we started historically from a core set of patients that were just really the highest risk that needed like the highest level of continuous video surveillance to really every patient room benefiting from some some sort of um, video video capability and um, audio capability. And I just would kind of like to close with a hopeful note. 
I am a nurse. I have a heart of a nurse. I, my mom was a nurse. My grandmother was a nurse. And um, I'm very hopeful. And I, I'm, I'm not afraid of technology. And I really have seen and believe it will continue to happen, that the investment that we're making in technology will improve patient care and in, improve the um, humanness of patient care um, by freeing up from distractions and, and really allowing um, allowing those caregivers to get back to the joy of why they chose this profession to start with. And Karen, how about on your end, uh, whether on the telesitter or a solution or just more generally, uh, how do you see remote monitoring solutions being complemented by and complementing a larger ecosystem of uh, smart tech for smart hospitals? Well, as I said, the the computer vision, the video side combined with audio are probably the most important sensors um, to add to a smart hospital and a smart uh, a smart patient care experience. Meaning, you know, what can what can happen next is that we connect we connect this these video streams. We follow the patient in their journeys with the cameras and the audio. If the patient gets transferred to a long-term acute care from a hospital that the docs doctors in the hospital that can still help remote triage those patients it can go as far as remote triage in ambulances that are taking patients to a hospital or from a long-term acute care to a hospital this whole connected care type of a scenario that follows a patient's journey through the through the system and and help create, you know, more, much more of a precision medicine kind of experience, you know, that's, that's the ultimate goal is, to, you know, how can we take care of people? How can we almost create like digital twins of people that we can follow through their experience in, in video and audio data and in the ability to communicate with patients wherever they are, whether they're in the hospital, in a clinic or at home recovering Having that connected care experience is going to, going to greatly um, change and improve our healthcare system in, in general from every perspective, the outcomes for the patients, the cost of the infrastructure, the leveraging the skilled resources to their, to their highest skill sets. Um, I, I think it's, it's, like I said, the tip of the iceberg, but where we can go with all of this technology and having a much more cohesive and impactful healthcare system is really exciting. Yeah, and what's I think most exciting about this is that we're still kind of at the tip of the iceberg, right? Like this is just the beginning of a mass transformation towards um, smart hospitals and this um, visualization of operations, this improvement of efficiency, you know, becoming a standard across healthcare. And it's exciting to see both Intel and Avisure being at the front of that change. And I'm sure we're going to have more follow-up conversations to see how things are progressing over the course of the year as, you know, pandemic trends and other larger trends shaping the industry also create new touch points and use cases for this tech. But till then, I think we'll go ahead and wrap up. So thank you so much to the two of you for your perspectives and your time today. It's it's really been a pleasure. Um, you know, your energy behind this is infectious. Um, you know, hopefully not pun intended, right? And um, 
<laughs> and I'm, I'm really looking forward to hopefully bringing you both back on soon. So thank you again to our two guests. Again, for our audience, we've been chatting with Karen Perry. She's Chief Healthcare IoT Solution Architect for Intel and Elizabeth Vitruba, Chief Clinical Innovation Officer for Avasure. Uh, Elizabeth, if folks want to find out more about Avasure, maybe they want to get in touch to source your solutions or just pick your brain some more for some thought leadership and direction for the industry, how can they do so? Just avisher.com. <laughs> Love it. It's easy, easy enough. <laughs> and Karen, how about on your end? If folks want to better understand how Intel is supporting uh, this evolution of smart tech in the healthcare world, how can they get in touch? Well, Intel actually has a new landing page. Because uh, Intel, I'm too, we're too big for me to say intel.com. So I'm going to say Google. <laughs> Smart Hospital Intel, and we have a new landing site with um, documentation and assets, partners, uh, stories um, like Avisure and others where, you know, we're all working together. This is going to be a solution coalition, really, uh, to progress and uh, smart hospitals and take them into the, you know, the next generation of care. So um, Smart Hospital at Intel.com. Uh, you'll find all kinds of really exciting innovations and thought leadership there. Exciting stuff. Elizabeth, Karen, thank you again to the two of you. It's been great. My yes, pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you again to our guests. And I also want to thank our audience for tuning in to Health and Life Sciences at the Edge, the series that makes sense of use cases across industries brought to you by the Intel IoT Group. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to hear more from the Intel Internet of Things Group. Till then, I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you. Thank you.